morning again. Right then, so we are in the Ten Commandments. So that's terribly exciting, and you can put up Exodus 20 if you want, but it's going to come up on the screens, uh, so you don't need to worry too much, but if you want to have it, you can. Now, I don't know about you, but I am not very good always at saying no. Um, There is something within me uh, that feels compelled occasionally to go, yay. I always say to people, if um, if you want me to get you know, you want to manipulate someone like me, you say, but you're so good at it. And I go, oh yeah, I am. Yeah, sure, I'll do that for you. <laughs> and we've all got our little things, you know, you've not necessarily got that one, but you'll have a way that you'll say, yeah, I'll do that. And you shouldn't have said yes at that moment. It is, we live in um, a kind of culture of that a little bit, don't we? I'm going to bring up a little picture See, I told you we had a little thing. He said, will this work? I said, I guarantee it'll work. I said, it won't. So here's this guy. <clears throat> now, his name is John Maynard. And a very long time ago, in 1930, he got awfully excited. Uh, he was seeing all the technology developments. He was seeing how things were changing, both in the home and in the office, and all the amazing things that were being invented. And he got terribly excited, and he predicted that in the future, we would be only all working a 15-hour week. Ah, we'd be so chilled out. I know, look, there's people physically shaking with laughter at the thought of a 15-hour week. Um, And he thought, you know, there'd be loads of time for recreation. But he couldn't have been more wrong, could he? He couldn't have been more wrong. In fact, life is totally busier than ever. Even though today I found out we could do in an hour and a half what would have taken a day in the office, Sarah, back then, (laughs) we still feel that we cannot fit it in the day. (laughs) (laughs) She's laughing. For some of us, this is really going to hit home. I'm so sorry. (laughs) But also in our culture, I told you it wouldn't work. Um, Being busy is really desirable. It gives us value, makes us feel important. It's desirable to be busy. When you meet people, what do you often find? You'll say, how are you? And they'll say, I'm fine, but busy, yes. That's the word they want to get into you. They want to let you know that they are busy. Even if they're not busy at that moment, they'll try to tell you, yeah, not bad. Oh, I had a terrible week last week. I was so busy. Or, oh, I'm just resting because next week it's going to be really busy. What are we saying in this? We're saying... I'm quite important. I have a very busy life. I've got lots of things to do. People have demands on me. We want to communicate this. So there's another thing. We have no shortage, of course, of things to fill our time. 
here it comes. We've got jobs to survive, parents to care for, family to support, shopping to fetch, Twitter to check, Instagram to maintain, blogs and vlogs, vlogs even, to read and upload. We've got books to ingest, we've got programs to catch up on, films to see, clubs to attend, bathrooms to clean, meals to cook, hobbies to pursue, lips to fill, tummies to tuck. Ooh. <laughs> but we've also got charities to support, home improvements to plan, house groups to attend, childcare to juggle, pets to walk, environments to save, cars to wash, exercise to take, and places to see before we die. Man, we are busy. In our culture, work doesn't stop when we leave the office anymore. Shopping is not a once a week trip into town on a Saturday morning if you're lucky. It's constantly at your fingertips. Advertising is everywhere, and possible forms of entertainment are bombarding us every second. Go, pick me, pick me, pick me. <laughs> and on top of it all, we have this baby. It's in your hand. You say, I'm following the scripture, Louise. I know you're not, you're checking your Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, Sai. We're with you. This is no judgment in this place. But we love it, don't we? And they predict that we check our um, phones. Oh, I did write it down. Um, every 12 minutes, we will check our phone on average. And some of us will do it much more than that, and some of less. But average every 12 minutes. And what they say this creates... Just going to check if I've got any messages. Is a feeling of busyness, even if you are not actually busy. Do you see what's going on there? You've got this constant, like, I've got stuff to do because it's all coming in every 12 minutes. We often say, I wish I had more time, and we'd love to have that eight-day week, but actually time is never the issue is what we do with that. So today, we're going to look at Sabbath. Um, it's been um, a topic that's been debated right since the early church. If you read the letters of Paul, they're talking about special days, and some people have them, and some people that don't, and should we have them, and shouldn't we? In the early church councils, they debated Sabbath. In the Reformation, guess what? They debated Sabbath. Today, we still debate Sabbath. Should we keep Sunday special? Should we not keep Sunday special. I think what we can learn is that man is very good at turning something that's a gift and a freedom and a blessing into quite the opposite, a curse, um, a, an enslavement. We're very good at reversing that. Um, and as we look at Sabbath, we really need to be guarding ourselves that we're not just erecting new rules into our lives or judging others for how they do Sabbath or don't do Sabbath. We want to be careful as we look at it today. Recognize that, you know, that we love to be distracted by a debate. Let's not go there. Let's just think about, for us, what does Sabbath look like? Remember, we don't have to keep the laws. We're free, but we have God's spirit. His word is on our heart. So what is he whispering into our hearts today? Not 
that person over there should probably hear this. What is he saying for us today? So, Exodus 20, verse 8. Let's have a little look at it. It'll cut. Oh, look, it's there. Nice. So, it says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do, do you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. And we will also have a little peek at the other place, Deuteronomy 5. It's up on the screens, or you can look it up. 15. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. Okay. Well, we've got these two passages, and we'll flick between them. I don't. I give up. <laughs> um, and in them, we see uh, the same command being given, but for slightly different reasons. So we're going to look at those two this morning. Firstly, God puts rest. We see in the first one that rest is right there at the beginning of creation. So when God creates the earth, rest is part of it. It's not something that comes after the law is given or anything like that. It's not something unique to the Jewish people as they start to follow him. It, it is something right in the very fabric of creation comes rest. And secondly... We see that God, when he rescues his people, he's doing, he, part of that rescue is to free them to almost live as they were intended, to enjoy that rest. That rest has been taken from them, and he is re-giving it to him. When we see Israel resting, they are reflecting God's image, that he's a creator who works, but he also rests. We see them reflect a God of kindness, who doesn't just keep going, keep going, but he wants people to rest. We see that work is good. It's there at the beginning, but also rest is good, and it shouldn't be ignored. And it's a gift, not just for followers of God, but for all humanity because it predates everything. For all humanity, this gift is given. And it's one that is often denied to people. It's often denied. We saw that when the Israelites were in Egypt, they were denied rest. They were slaves. They worked, they probably worked seven days a week. They didn't have a day off. Well, why should they have a day off? They're slaves. They work. That's what they do. And it's a sign, therefore, that we are free. But we must remember that not only do we enjoy that rest as his people, but we need to share that rest 
with others. In Jesus, we get this true freedom. Uh, Freedom to rest is one of the blessings. We don't have to be slaves anymore to what we might be pulled about by. Say, for example, we might be pulled about by you need to earn more, you need more security. If you have more money, you can get more insurance. If you have more money, you can prepare for the future better. Can you see how that money is pulling you, but you don't need to be a slave to it anymore? You might have over here, if you take that job promotion, you'll have more value, you're more important, you'll look better, you can tell your friends that you've been promoted. Can you see how that pull is coming? But we don't need to be slaves to that anymore. And we don't need to be pushed around by thinking, other people will think I'm lazy. We don't need to do that. When we rest, we, in a sense, we dethrone idols. We put them down and we say, actually, that's not the most important thing to me anymore. There's um, a friend of mine in this church, and I don't think he's here today, but his company are pressurizing him to work more hours. If you want to be kept on, you've got to be willing to work longer hours. And that is not an uncommon thing to hear, is it? If you want to get ahead, you've got to be willing to put in a six-day week. And we're getting these pressures all the time, and they're not always We don't always have the freedom to say no because of, you know, we really do have to say yes because we're on the poverty line and that's something we can look at. But generally speaking, we have a decision to make. What's more important to me? So we can lay down our idols of money, of power, of image, of achievement or ambition. Like the Sabbath, we, as followers of Jesus, are to be holy. We're to be different. And this is an area that we will probably look different in. And it might make us feel a bit uncomfortable. When we rest, we get to stop and think. One of the great things that they say, I think it's in the screw tape letters, where they say something like, you don't need to give them any kind of sin. You just need to keep them busy. So they will never actually think about what God wants. When we're flying around through life, we never actually sit and just say, God, you are God, not me. To just sit and receive from him, to say, What am I doing here? Where do you want me to be? How do you want me to live? What do you want to say to me? If we're just filling our time, and tell, I'm good at this, filling our time with doing and rushing and being, when will be that moment where I am quiet enough to say, what are you saying here, God? How are you leading me? 
When we come to Jesus and the Sabbath in the New Testament, remember um, that Israel had been very good at protecting the Sabbath. They didn't want to break God's rules in any way. So instead of just putting a little fence around it, they put a massive fence around it of 600-odd rules to make sure that no one would break this rule. But Jesus comes in and blows it out the water. He allows his disciples to harvest on the Sabbath because they're hungry. He allows a man to pick up his bed and walk home because that's a practical thing to do. He, allow, he works himself by healing people, healing people who um, have got back injuries or hand problems. He wants to free them. And what is he saying in this? Israel have made the Sabbath into a slave master. They've forgotten that the Sabbath was about freedom and rest, and they've made it instead into this horrible place to be, where people suffer on the Sabbath because no one will help them. In the Christian church, you know, people laugh, don't they? And they joke with me talking about what it was like as a child growing up in a family that was strict on the Sabbath. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but sometimes it can come to the extreme that it's a miserable day for people rather than a joyous celebration of God's love. When Jesus comes in, he reminds them that the Sabbath is not only for them, but for all people. Because if you're enjoying the Sabbath here, but the person here is suffering and you don't help them, you've not really kept the Sabbath. Remember what they said, the Sabbath is for you, it's for your, um, anyone living in your country at all. It's for anyone near you. And if I am enjoying my Sabbath at the expense of someone next to me, then I have not kept the Sabbath. Remember Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your strength. But he also said, and love your neighbor as yourself. If we apply that to Sabbath... Okay, so to Sabbath, to love God is to say, you are more important than all these things I'm perceiving I need to do. You are more important than all my idols. But it is also to love my neighbor as myself. Now, we could get into massive global economic issues of poverty and minimum wage, and you can do that. But very simply, let us just think, if I am sitting, imagine a situation where I'm sitting enjoying my Sabbath, but my dearest darling husband is in the kitchen and he's cooking and he's just running the hoover around and then he's mowed the lawn and then he's just done this and he's running around and I'm just enjoying the Sabbath. That is not keeping the Sabbath. You need to think, not only how do I Sabbath, But how do I enable others to Sabbath? How do I let people Sabbath? And we're going to discuss that in a minute. We cannot just Sabbath on our own. Anything else? I think that is about it. Now, you're like, what? 
but I have more. I have asked some friends to come on up. Come on up, friends. They will come now. Because I thought, you know, the Sabbath is all very well. We can talk about it. We can argue about it. We can say how we think it should be kept. And, or we could ask people how they keep the Sabbath. Because it's going to look different for everybody. How I rest is not how you rest, I can assure you, probably. How Rob rests is not how I rest. How Rachel rests is not how I rest, probably, or how her husband rests. So I'm going to turn this on. Hello? Yes, that's working. Okay, so I'm going to ask you three questions, guys. Um, the first one's going to be about, was there anything in the talk that resonated with you? So you don't all have to answer, but would anyone like to say anything on that? I think what you said about people actually thinking what they do on mm. the Sabbath mm. and how you, as parents, what you, you teach your children as well, mm -hmm. is really important that we actually ought to think about what we're doing. Yeah, I guess planning for the Sabbath is important. If you don't plan for it, it's not going to happen. And probably for me... Um, thinking about how that affects other people and making sure that they can have it too because it's always sometimes more about well how am I doing this yeah. <laughs> but how do I enable other people to do it is also important brilliant same okay so next question is how do you Sabbath what is rest for you and how do you plan for it um, so I was thinking about how, depending what kind of job you do, some jobs you can leave behind more easily than others. And I was thinking back, the worst time for that for me was when I was doing my PhD, because my job was literally in my head, and I couldn't remove that when I wasn't working. So it was very difficult to switch off. And so that made me think about how, for me, it's as much about what I'm doing with my mind as it is what I'm doing physically, and how do I enable my mind to have that rest as well. So practically for me, walking my dogs has been a really big deal for keeping me sane and keeping that pattern of, of rest and work in the right place. Um, but that'd be different for someone else. Um, yeah, when I, when I Sabbath, I usually just uh, forget about uni work and like everything. I just put it aside and uh, I'd usually make myself like a nice meal. And if there's somebody around, I'll share it with them. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a great point, the Sabbath being a celebration. It's a feast day, isn't it? So, yeah, making yourself a great meal, that would be nice. I think um, I find it really difficult to Sabbath in terms of a really long period of time because um, with the girls and it being busy all the time. So I try to reserve a little bit of time every day um, I have to do it in mm. the middle of work, otherwise I go crazy. <laughs> so um, I have to go for walks, and you really can you can really feel yeah. the difference that you can just connect um, with yeah. God for just a little bit of time during the day. And in the evenings, I have to do it after they go to bed. Yeah. Um, so my my Sabbath has to be in bits mm. of time because of the business. Mm. I think that's a really important point, isn't it? Our lives are constantly changing, so Sabbath needs to be re reviewed. When you've got tiny children, Sabbath won't look the same as what it does when you're retired. They're going to be completely different things. Yeah, I think I say, actually, I used to really struggle with Sabbath um, and resting. I actually found it work. And I just wanted to share, really, in the sense that I did a study on creativity out of Exodus, 
and it was probably the most scary thing I ever did because what I realized was that creativity comes with a requirement for Sabbath. And actually, and you read it in Exodus, there's two accounts of, uh, of Obadiah, and they, are, and they both say, and then the Lord's, the next thing he says is, and you will recognize the Sabbath. And I suddenly realized from a, from a creative personal point of view, and I think everybody is creative if we don't take that time off. So and it really struck me, and, it, and sometimes it's hard just to break off. Um, but the key thing I think we've done is, you've said it, you know, we've become a slave of technology, and we've taken to turning the internet off in our house and actually saying, I'm not going to be a slave to that now. And I was really struck, actually. My, my son came back from a thing where the police gave them all a, a mobile phone case that cuts out all signals to using a car. And I thought, I think today maybe we need that for a Sabbath mm. to shut ourselves off because we become a slave to that. Mm. And I think in some ways, you know, there's a creative generation being destroyed by the drive of technology, mm. which is 24-7. And if we can't take that, their mental health is at risk. So yeah. I think. Yeah, there's obviously loads of benefits from Sabbathing, which we could have gone into in terms of our mental health, in terms of our body refreshment, all good things. Okay, so my final question is, um, well, what about the loving your neighbor part? So how do you enable others? Is it something you've thought about before, or how could you enable others in your... You know, we can't all necessarily jump in and address the global issues um, of injustice and poverty, but maybe just those around you, how, how do you allow them to Sabbath? Is that something that you've thought about? Um, yeah, that was something that I had to take away from this sermon, actually. Um, the fact that usually when I Sabbath, it would be by myself and... The other occasion when I invite somebody to share something with me, that's, I guess, enabling somebody to Sabbath with you. Mm. But, um, yeah, that's something to definitely work on. Thank you. Um, in our family, we have to um, give each other time um, just to, to take a break. Um, so we're sort of mindful about all the busyness um, in terms of work. And, you know, sometimes... As soon as uh, one person gets in, then you can relieve the other person just to have some moment to yourself and some mm. quiet time. Or we're mindful that we've reserved a certain time in the morning where we can do our prayers or mm. whatever. So just supporting each other in, in being able to do that. And definitely if you've got any friends or whatever that's feeling overwhelmed, then you know, mm. trying to take some of yeah. their burdens and can I help with this or Yeah, that's or a that really good point, isn't it? Particularly... Yeah. We all know when we've got young children exactly. to say, well, hey, you should have a Sabbath, but not actually to help them. Yes. <laughs> a bit cruel. Just, Why? To to play Surely you can just other. lock them in a room or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I immediately thought about um, my husband James with this because he's a shift worker. Um, he's a hospital doctor. In fact, he's at work today. Um, so he's not having a Sunday off. He's working 13 hours instead. And, you know, he can find his own pattern. But as his wife, I could really disrupt his pattern of work and rest because then he's going to have tomorrow off. And there are a lot of things that I can think of that he could do with tomorrow. Let's get a <laughs> list. So, yeah, yeah. And it's so tempting to give him a list. And it's something that is really important for me to remember 
not to do that. He has a list himself and to make sure that he has the opportunity to have rest when, yeah. when he's had to work at weekends when other people yeah. have it. Yeah, I was just going to emphasise that in the medical context. Hmm. Obviously, the Sabbath isn't a day of rest very often. Mm. And uh, for Ian, when he was working, I mean, we didn't get days off after. the same thing, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah so. But he was helping people. Yeah, yeah, totally. So you might be releasing others to rest or resting yourself. I know for us as a family, when our children were younger we had to plan for rest much more and we put much stronger guards around our rest time of this is our time and i we would we created ways of making sure that there were no there was our sabbath was saturday and we would make sure that the house was clean there was no cleaning on the saturday we would make sure the shopping was done there was no shopping on the saturday um, and we work together. I know couples that say, Friday night, we're going to clean this house. And they clean it and they have a takeaway afterwards. Because if it's not done, his wife is doing this all Saturday. He hasn't allowed her to rest. So think about that, guys and girls. Just an option. But yes, um, we've certainly wrestled with it. And we're in a different season now. Okay, thank you so much. Unless there's anything final you want to say. I was just going to yeah. say on that, uh, it's recognising other people's Sabbath is on a different day to yours. That's quite hard. And That's when you get important. involved in church stuff, it's yeah. quite easy to think, I'll just shift my Sabbath. But it's time to remember everybody else might not have shifted theirs. And so, yeah. as you say, when you've got shift worker, just as I say, it's actually trying to remember respecting other people's space is always a challenge. Because it's not one day a week, it's somebody else's day as well. Yeah, I think sharing your Sabbath with others can be a real gift. Like I know that Andrew's family, Sunday afternoon is a Sabbath for them, so I try and stay out of his way. Um, and some people know that we try and Sabbath on a Saturday, so they try and stay out of our way. It's sort of things like that, isn't it? Or trying to release each other. So thinking about the community wider than just... It's all about me, but thinking, okay, of the bigger community, who needs rest? How can I help them? When is their rest? And things like that. Sorry, I know you're wrapping up, but and I think that's something, especially for us as a church community, where a lot of us are really involved on Sundays. Mm. So it's not only about paid work on Sundays. It's yeah, about absolutely. all of the people who are looking yeah. after the kids, yeah. everyone in the band, doing the sound, the words, the mm. service coordinators, all these people for whom actually, by the time you get home at mm. Sunday lunchtime, you might be quite tired. Yeah. And so I think there's something as well about how it's wonderful to be together, but at the same time, we need to make sure that we're kind of recuperating that, mm. that time as well. Yeah. It's a complex issue. I think Rosemary still has something to say. I was just thinking, just one other context, yeah. is to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Mm. So I think sometime when we're having a rest time, it needs to be a time of greater reflection on, on what Yeah, done. and I think I touched Not on that with the active. sort of when you are still yeah. is a time you can actually engage with God and say, I mean, we have to, in a sense... Um, developing a culture and a, um, a way of being where we hear the Holy Spirit in the craziness. It is a discipline to do, isn't it? While you're catching a shower of thinking, God, what's going on here? Or when you're washing up, you know, thinking about that or driving the car. But there's something about stillness of just stopping that that can can be a great place for really listening to God and, yeah, a one way of honouring him. You, I guess you're worshipping him by the fact you've stopped, and you can also worship him in other ways as well. 
It's not a panel to ask, so they can go. <laughs> you can quiz them afterwards. But um, we're going to close um, just having a little look here. I better get off because we've got communion. Sorry, Peter. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>